That's sort of how it was all born, from sort of feeling like I'd hit a bit of a ceiling, really struggling to get noticed at my work, and then being inspired by those two books, which obviously was one of yours, and really got me on that journey of thinking, let me start with controlling my digital reputation. Let me take responsibility and accountability and own that. I wasn't doing anything to promote myself. I was literally just doing a good job, and that does not cut it anymore. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to the brand new You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build a credible brand. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is Warwick Brown. Warwick is the founder of Account Manager Tips, where he provides account managers with the skills they need to accelerate their careers. Warwick, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new You Show. Thanks, Ryan. I'm delighted to be here. Um, yeah, thrilled, actually. So thank you so much for inviting me. No, no problem. This has been a long time coming. And uh, because it's been a long time coming, you know the very first question I'm going to ask, which is, and I'm very, actually very interested to hear this because I watch your Instagram stories feed. So I know you travel a lot and you go to a lot of different places. I do. But if you could only go to one of those places mm-hmm. for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? That is a very, a very tough question. Uh, but I will say one of my favorite places probably right now because one of my friends is there is Barcelona. Fantastic city. It's on the beach. You've got amazing coastline. Uh, you have that great nightlife. You know, nothing starts till nine o'clock in Barcelona. So you can, you know, what's great as a tourist, there's no rush to get out the door. You can have a lazy breakfast, great things to see, really architecturally, really fascinating, lots of history. 20 minutes down, uh, you're on the beach, half an hour you're in the mountains, great food, great people, great weather. Um, and you would never be bored there. So I think if I had to only pick one place, it would probably be Barcelona and maybe Spain in general. You are in account management. What is it about account management that drew you into it? You said, you know what, this is the career path for me. So account managers essentially own the B2B relationship between you as a supplier with your customer. And There are various levels of account management depending on the complexity of the client, the complexity of the product, how the solution's delivered. You know, software as a service account management might be different to um, a consulting account management or a construction account management, a construction company or a pharmaceutical company, you know, an account manager dealing with doctors. So there's lots of different types of account management. I used to be in operations. I used to do a lot of fulfillment and um, back-end, you know, delivering the solution. But I realized that I have much more of an impact off me anyway. I have more of an impact helping my clients get the most from my solution and guiding the strategy. So how do they use my service? How can I help them get more from it? And how can I also then you know, share with them the best ways, just in general, best practice, next practice, all that sort of stuff. So, And I like the relationship side of it. You know, it's more longer term. You know, it's not just somebody calling me, hey, I need something, goodbye. We're actually talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, ten year partnerships where year in, year out, I learn about their business. I learn about what their objectives are. I see them through their peaks and their troughs when they're very successful. Then the next year they're cutting costs and, you know, there's challenges. And then the next year they win new business and it all starts again. And I'm part of that journey with them. So, that's sort of what drew me to account management and what I really enjoy about it. Yeah, it's it's very interesting stuff. But at some point, you realized you have this knowledge base that can be useful to others. So you started to share your experiences on accountmanager.tips 
What inspired you to do that? I mean, why would you decide to get a website and share some of this stuff with people? I mean, it's quite a complex story of how it actually got to that point. Like most of us, the journey is not a straight line. But there was a couple of defining moments. One, um, I, I worked in a corporate job and I still do at this point. Uh, my boss, I've, I've led people for a long time. I've been a people leader for quite some time. But um, <clears throat> when I was recounting the successes of the team, my boss, I was like, we've done this and our team's done that and together we've done this. And my boss said to me, where are you in this? I said, I, you haven't mentioned any of your singular achievements. It's all been collective. He said, that's great. But if you want recognition and if you want to progress and if you want to actually be visible in this business, you've got to start to claim some of that success for yourself. So next time I speak to you, I want you to say, I led the team. I can I designed this. This was my solution and I helped my team implement it. But you want to start to be less democratic about all of the successes and start to claim some for yourself. So that was number one. Then I missed out on a couple of jobs, you know, like I applied for some internal jobs and missed out on them. And I just thought, what do I got to do to get ahead here? And then I stumbled across two books, which was Personal Branding by Karen Kang, uh, which got me on the journey of actually thinking about my values and what I bring to my role and how I compare to my peers and what what's my purpose and what am I supposed to be doing? And are my values aligned with the organization I work for. And then I came across your book, Career Cred, which kind of moved, which was the the next evolution of that. So the Karen Kang book, I mean, was about like getting to the core of what you do. But then yours took it to the implementation stage. Well, what does that look like for my career? How do I get, what are the tactical tools to actually turn that into a actual executable plan? And that's sort of how it was all born, basically, from sort of feeling like I'd hit a bit of a ceiling, really struggling to get noticed at my work, and then being inspired by those two books, which obviously was one of yours and really got me on that journey of thinking, let me let me start with controlling my digital reputation. Let me take responsibility and accountability and own that because I wasn't doing anything to promote myself. I was literally just doing a good job and that does not cut it anymore. The good old days, what was your thing like Max the Turkey? Right. Didn't see the axe coming at Thanksgiving. And and I just thought, that's me. I'm a busy beaver doing a good job. But when it comes time to find somebody to let go, what am I doing to sit above the rest of the the people in my group? And that's how kind of Account Manager Tips was born. And Well, interesting. Thank you for the plug. Didn't ask you to do that, but I do appreciate that. <laughs> that's true. That's the way it rolls. I can definitely relate to that. Um, and it's and it was kind of, for me, my, my story relating to that is kind of the genesis for how the book even got started, which is I kept having managers above me say, you need exposure. You need to get exposure. Yeah. But no one could ever tell me what they meant by that or who I needed to be exposed to. <laughs> <laughs> and right. And so just just that <laughs> yeah. just saying that out loud brings, you know, brings images of guys running around the, with trench coats. But yeah. but you know, it was a recognition thing within the company in that I assumed as an employee, and you tell me if you felt the same way too that I would be recognized because of what I did, not because I said the word I in a meeting versus we. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it was all about positioning. 
same thing. Oh, we've got to get you on the radar. We've got to, you know, you're not, so-and-so doesn't like you. And I'm like, I've not even had anything to do with so-and-so. Like, I, I don't understand why they've got this impression. Oh, that's because of this. And you've got to go and promote yourself. And people are talking about you during evaluations. You know, these have these like nine box, you know, values and who is where in the organization and who is on the trajectory to be a star and who is an underperformer. And what do I got to do here? And But, you know, that's the way it rolls. And I think that, is a realization we all have to accept. Like it or not, be bitter if you want, but that is simply the way the corporate game is played. And there is a very high degree of, uh, you know, you've got to know what you're doing. You need a skill set. But there are plenty of, if, if it was only skills that got people promotions, it would be a very different world. Um, and a lot of it has to do with how you talk the talk and how you project and how you control your image and how you interact with people. And I think your book and Karen's book and just in general, as I've learned uh, a lot about social media and what I want to do, you can do that in an authentic way. Mm. You could do it in a way that comes from a place of generosity and abundance and wanting to help people while still helping yourself at the same time. I've known, I've known you for a while now, and I can see how the book would resonate with you because you are a guy who implements. You get an idea and you just dive into it. And that's one of the things I tried to do with my book was make it so it was action-oriented, not philosophically, you know, you could do these things and life would be great, but instead, go do these things and you can make your life different. Yeah. And so I can I can see where you would you would have uh, really picked up and dove into that. And in fact, you did because that's one of the ways that I started noticing you. Besides the fact that you actually put out a review on my book, because um, you know people pay attention to that yeah. stuff. <laughs> so once you did that, I was like, well, who is this guy? And I started paying attention to you. And you're like prolific with social media, but at the same time, you have a full time job. Yeah. So help help the listeners understand because there's a lot of people who think, well, I can't do this because I have a full-time job, yet you did it. So kind of help me understand, how did you balance your time between, okay, I need to do my work, but then after after that, I'm going to do some stuff for me. How did you balance all that out? Yeah, that's very true. I am prolific right now, but it's a, it, I've got there. And I would say to start, it does not take that much time. Like I'm investing quite a bit of time now, but I think at the beginning, um, it was about, all right, what do I want to represent? What's my point of view? Having it just to think about what do, what are the two or three things that I'm good at and that I, that people say, hey, you're good at that, Warwick, or they come to me for advice on. That's where I started. I'm like, okay, those are the things that other people tell me I'm good at. I'm just going to focus on those. I'm not just going to go spray and pray. So I think you do definitely have to have some focus in what you're putting out there. But it literally was embracing LinkedIn, getting on Twitter, embracing Twitter, dabbling in a lot of the other platforms until I found the, two, the ones that I like and I've, you know, I've paired back on all the others. And then starting my own blog and just writing the odd blog post. And then as you learn, you learn about all the things that help you attract attention. So I think for me, giving advice to people is literally get a domain name, get your social media handle across all the social media things because that just makes it easier. If you can get the same thing everywhere, even if you're not going to use it, claim it. Claim your Pinterest, claim your Twitter, claim your Instagram, claim your LinkedIn, Facebook, all the same. Try get a domain name. They cost 99 cents. Even if you don't know how to set up a blog, they cost literally nothing these days, whether it's a second level domain, whatever. Then you've got, you got that ready to go. So if you decide to make it bigger, you don't have somebody cyber squatting on your 
you know, intellectual real estate on the web. So that's number one. That's the first thing I did was I wanted it the same everywhere. Then I just wrote, started writing articles on LinkedIn until I was ready to start a blog and, you know, focusing on that and uh, took it from there. You cover a lot of that in the book. And I think, yeah, you, you, you kind of help with that strategy and how do you start. But you still have to be prepared to invest in ongoing learning. You mentioned you started writing a blog. When you write a blog, you're obviously putting out content, right? You were putting out content on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and some of the other accounts until you realize that that's where you wanted to focus. One area where people tell me they struggle all the time is, I don't don't know what to write. So uh, I'm curious, how did you know what you should start putting out on LinkedIn? And how much do you think creating that content on that platform has helped you get ready for the point in your career that we're going to talk about next? Um, So as far as finding stuff to write about, some people just want to write about their experience. So they'll write about their first job and what they learned about their first job, or, you know, what they learned about life and career from their first job. They might write about a meeting that went wrong with a client. And then what they learned from that, they might write about I mean, you can literally write about anything. That's why I think some focus is important because you'll go from one minute writing. You, it, it, there's no structure. It's one minute it's, you know, reminiscing about the good old days. The next minute it's talking about, the, you know, your, the next job or like promotion. I don't know. That, that to me was one of the big struggles is getting niche on that. But go to Quora, literally just type in your field of expertise and there's I just basically copy and pasted every single question I could find on Quora and it's in a list for me to get to at some point. And and Quora, by the way, is spelled Q-U-O-R-A, correct? It is. Yep. That's the one. Then when you, and then when you search in Google, so let's say, you know, like I search account management, then Google says people also searched for, and it gives you more of those long tail uh, phrases. And then at the very bottom of the search results, it says also see. And basically between that, but you've got to ask, answer the public. That gives you some really good places to start. Just type in your topic and it'll give you questions to, to, um, to answer and start there. And then just basically say what you know of every single thing that's on that list. You'll never have a problem finding something to write about. So you're posting with a full-time job. Were you concerned at all about my employer's going to find out or what if somebody from my company finds out, what do I do? I mean, how did you, A, were you concerned about that? And B, how did you handle that? Really concerned uh, because it's your opinion and, you know, it doesn't necessarily reflect the views of your employer. I've got to say, I don't, I'm not a shock jock. I don't go out there with anything that's going to, um, be too inflammatory because I am sensitive to the fact that I work for somebody else and I don't want to have my uh, my views completely undermine what they potentially might believe. So I'm happy to have an opinion, but I'm not going to be... A lot of people say stuff, they're, they're contrarians. They'll say black just to get a reaction, even if they mean white. You know, like it's it's just that 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 kind of mentality. I'm not into that. But yeah, definitely you need to be sensitive to it. Not everybody is socially savvy, particularly you're talking like 60. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty old actually, but still there are people <laughs> that are in their forties, fifties, sixties. They're not on social media. They don't really get it. They've been leading companies for a long time. They've got PAs and marketing teams and other people that manage all that stuff for them. They might do their kids' Facebook and, you know, that's it. They're not really – they don't kind of understand what, what it's all about. So they see it and they're like, uh-oh, why is he coming up in my feed all the time? What is he saying? So, yeah, it has been a delicate 
it has been a delicate uh, situation sometimes. But you know what? You gotta. It's it's your profile, right? LinkedIn is mine. It's not doesn't belong to my company. I can put whatever I want on there, as long as it's within the rules of engagement. So, to be honest, I don't really care. But you don't want to kill, kill your career at the same time. Uh, but one thing that I was very very specific about: if you ever go to my LinkedIn profile, you'll see nothing about my industry. I do not comment, post, share anything to do with corporate travel, with any of with airlines, with hotels, with trucks cars, rail, no, like travel management, nothing. I also never share any of my employers' posts because I'm like, you know what? If I engage and I, that then shows that I'm representing them, hey, we've got a job going. Hey, here's our new white paper. Oh, here's a case study we released. Suddenly, they think that my profile is theirs. So they're two very, very clear things that I did was nothing on my industry, nothing on my employer. And sometimes they harass me because they're like, share this job. We're recruiting. We can't fill it. I'm like, no, my social profile is mine. It's off limits. I don't talk about you. You don't need to talk about me. Uh, and I think that has helped. But then my goal was to become known in my profession, not my industry. One of the things I was hoping to do was to get out of that pigeonhole of my industry and people have people see that was the other challenge i would try to go for jobs and they'd go oh well you haven't had any industry experience i'm like but all my skills are transferable like can't, can't you see that and i'm like okay that's my job i have to help them see it and now i get all sorts of um uh conversations going and uh people reaching out to me from all sorts of industries because i've been able to demonstrate that what i do i can do for any company and any industry so that was very specific that I wanted to do, but other people might want to be well known in their industry and become, you know, uh, very attached to that industry. So that was that also tied in very well with that strategy. But it's more difficult to not mention your industry if your goal is to become a leader in that industry. Right. Yeah. And in that case, then you know you're going to need to talk to talk to your boss or read at least at the very least read your company's social media policy. So you know what you can and can't say, you know, because I, I know that's a concern for a lot of people. It was a concern for me. I, even though I was, I was doing what you were doing, which is posting about things and talking about things which were completely unrelated to my job, my role or my company. Yeah. I even had, you know, I mean, I'm a director of, uh, in this company that I'm in now, but somebody actually came my, to my boss, who's a VP to say, why is Warwick posting on LinkedIn during office hours? And I mean, it was like it posted at 10 a.m. And I'm like, firstly, I have scheduling software. But secondly, why do you care? This isn't a nine to five job. If I post at 10 a.m., I could be like having a coffee. I could be whatever it is. Like, what's, what's it to you? But just the fact that somebody senior in my organization went to my boss to tell me to not post on LinkedIn during the day. And she was really embarrassed to have to even bring it up. But um, simple things like that. So now I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll just post at 8 a.m. It's not that big a deal. My audience is online at 10, but like to save hassles. So something simple like that, you'd think, no brain, I'll just schedule it then. You've, you've done this now for a while and you've been, been able to build up a reputation about your profession and where you're at. And you've worked yourself now to a point where, uh, frankly, you're a little bit less concerned about what your company thinks of your posting because you have just recently decided to give notice and pursue what you're doing full time, correct? 
I have, absolutely. So yeah, the time has come for me to take the plunge. And uh, it's not uh, any really reflection on the business that I'm working for today. It's just, you know, I've been doing this for two years now, this incrementally growing my my sideline, understanding more about my value proposition, starting to pull together an actual business model. And by no means is it there yet. I don't want to suggest that it is, uh, but it is certainly far enough far enough along that I'm in a position to do it. Like I wouldn't have quit two years ago because I didn't have a social media following. I didn't have uh, content out there. I didn't have uh, social proof. I didn't have search engine traffic. I didn't have inbound traffic. You know, all those things I've grown over the past two years. And I wasn't so clear what I wanted to do. But those things are all in place now. So it's a good time for me to explore that, take some time out. And um, some people go, you shouldn't quit until you have a business. Other people say, I was at a, a conference last year and the, the woman who was an entrepreneur, she said, uh, somebody asked her, when do you know when it's time to quit? She goes, you know what? If you can keep a roof over your head for six months, she said, quit. Because the way the world is now with employment and opportunities, she said, you know what? You'll either figure it out or you'll probably get a better job. You know, you just get another job and it'll probably be a better one. I thought, you know what? There's that. And that's what I'm going to go for versus, hey, you need to be making 500000 a year before you quit your day job. I'm like, <laughs> And it's divided attentions as well. You know, like I, I need to give this m more focus and um, I, I feel like it might be, it's at that point where it would become a disservice to my, my full-time job because I can't give it the attention that it really needs given what I want to do outside of work. You know, what was it like as you were making that decision? Like what were, what were some of the things you were thinking? I think you just covered some of them, but you know, what are, what's going through your mind when you're like, you know what, I think it's time. And then how, how did that decision play out for you? Did you just like say, okay, this is it. I'm doing it. Boom. Notice the next day. Or was it, did it take something longer? I've been thinking about it for a while, but you know, you want, you, you need to line up your ducks. You, you can't just quit and not have a, have some savings. You know, so I needed to make sure I had enough money in the bank to get me through, you know, six months at least, you know, probably stretched it out longer, maybe up to a year really if I push myself. So I think that's number one. You know, you if you've got commitments and I live in London, I, I don't have any family here. Like if 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 it hits the wall, basically I'm I'm screwed. I don't there's no I can't go home to mum. That's not an option for me. I'd have to fly twenty four hours to go home to my brother uh, and hit him up for the airfare. So it just isn't an option to like wing it. So I think definitely the money situation. Um, I think also what turn what really clinched it for me was like, you know what? I am good at what I do. I've got absolute, absolute conviction that even if the business side fails, I will get another job. Mm. Like that takes a lot of pressure off because the absolute worst, I've made a list of the worst that could happen and everything ended up with, I'll just get another job. I'll just get another job. I'll just get another job. That was the absolute worst thing that could happen for me taking time out is I will just end up getting another job, which is not the end of the world. <laughs> You know what I mean? No. Like, that's what I'm doing now no, uh, and have done. So if that is the absolute worst that can happen in the next six months is I'm, I have to go get another job, then why not go for it? And when you know you have the confidence and the ability and the skill and experience um, to get another job, well, what's, what's there to lose? Yeah. And I'll tell you this, while I was still in my corporate position before, before I decided, actually it was decided for me, it was time to go. The other lingering thought in my mind was, okay, yeah, I can get another job, but maybe it won't pay as much as I make now. 
do you, how, how do you, how do you handle that? People who have that going through their mindset. I have a completely different way of looking at that now, which I'll share in a minute, but how do you handle that? If you go, okay, I can get another job, but it may not pay as much. That, well, yeah, that is a, I have thought about that. Firstly, my outgoings are pretty low, so I don't have a highly committed lifestyle. I think that would be more concerning if 50, 60, you know, my rent's cheap. I don't have a mortgage because uh, I purposely didn't get one because I thought, okay, 750 a month for rent or 2000 a month for mortgage. Mm. Um, I can't commit to a mortgage if I also want to pursue the entrepreneur path because 2000 is a much bigger commitment much more stressful and i don't want to have a house sold out from under me right now worst case i'm moving to a friend's spare bedroom for a few weeks till i sort it out um if it if it really came to that while i'm waiting for my plane to australia but um uh yeah no definitely there is that there is an element so i think you have to be really realistic about well what's your outgoings and what what is the minimum you would need to get hired back at to still have a decent lifestyle so for me even if i don't earn what i'm earning now i could still take a, a decent pay cut and be okay um, i've also thought about well i could go freelance i could go temp i could take a maternity leave cover so i'm not having to commit to a long-term job i would probably seek out some shorter term options which maybe pay a bit more because they don't come with leave and benefits but it might tide me over during an entrepreneurial slump um, and i think you also yeah, I mean, that has been something that's played on my mind. But you've got to get your ducks lined up. Pay off your bills. Stop spending on credit cards. You know, I, I haven't bought anything new for ages. You know, I've been really sucking the money away. Yeah. Or if you're like me, you don't – I mean, I, I prepared too, but you don't get the chance. Like, the decision is made for you. And so when you go from, you know, uh, whatever salary you're making to $0 – yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty easy to go back to a job that makes less than what you were making <laughs> because it's more than zero dollars. <laughs> yeah. So any any the only way is up. So tell me, in these first few months as you get started as a as a newly minted, if you will, entrepreneur, how do you plan to use the account management skills to help you generate leads? So I think, or just quick briefly, another thing is you kind of got to have something that you know is going to make some money. Like I, you don't want to, I've already got courses. I already had some consulting. I've, I've been bid for some training stuff. So I've had some road, some things validated and road tested and some money coming already. So it's not like I'm literally, you know what? I've had enough of my job. I'm going to go figure it out now. I figured it out. It's now executing and consistency. So I think that's the other point when you, when you take the plunge, you don't want to literally be starting to figure out if you have a business, you want to know you've got an idea that's going to work um, in terms of lead generation. So I am reading a book, a really good book called eat their lunch by Anthony Ian Norino. And he laid out a really great cold calling plan in this sort of four week cycle and talked about coming up with your hit list of accounts, uh, clients and prospects. And I'm going to start with my industry and just, um, approach them for some a few different solutions that I have and uh, start to grow those networks. Uh, I already have a course that I'm about to launch in the next month. Uh, I've already had some good interest in that. Uh, you need to have a call plan, an engagement plan. You need to know when you spoke to the person last, what you're going to do next, what your goals are. And I think a CRM is really important to that. HubSpot's free. Uh, definitely do that because then you can build your pipeline and your funnels and do your marketing and all that together in that. I've got a LinkedIn strategy. I know you've read that book as well, but um, LinkedIn Unlocked by Melanie Dodaro. So I'm starting with some of that. 
simple things like every time somebody reaches out to me and I help them, I ask them for a recommendation. That's been working really well. Doing more engagement, trying to find the right contacts and connect through some social selling as well. I don't want to completely rely on that. I think that's a bit of a crutch. You have to get on the phone. Even if you've left a voicemail, they'll hear it then suddenly you're on their radar. They'll then read the email because you've kind of been introduced to them. And, you know, I think you do have to, there's no, there's no shortcuts to selling. You've got to do whatever it takes. Um, and uh, that's going to be a struggle for me because I haven't had to sell like that for a long time uh, to, to cold audiences. And then some Facebook ads and traffic as well. So definitely looking at all different angles and how I can get that uh, to generate leads. Tell me a little bit about accountmanager.tips. If I were to go there, you know, what kind of content can I expect to see? Uh, my, my, so it's kind of practitioner based, you know, I'm not, I, I don't pretend to be a thought leader. I'm not going to be the person that CNN calls for a quote on account management. But what I do do really well is deconstruct the theory into something that's really practical and actionable and impactful right out of the gate. So everything that I try to deliver now has to have a template has to have a process or a step, has to have an action that comes with it that's going to, you know, a bit of a transformative action that, you know, okay, read this, do this, things will change for you. And I'm really focused on that kind of content. And I'm building a process. So it's really focused around generating revenue from your clients, um, improving your retention. So how do you keep your clients? And that's through strategic account planning and doing the right things at the right time that drive the right value for you and your client. And then how do you build and create influential relationships? So it's easy to have a relationship with your customer, but you want ones that are influential, the ones that are going to help you uh, penetrate your account, get in touch with budget holders, re-sign that contract, make decisions, remove roadblocks. You know, those are the kinds of people where you want to spend the limited time you have. Even though you know all people in your clients are important end users as well, but you have to prioritize where you spend your time and, and where you can make the most impact. So that's what you would expect. But yeah, generally, I'll give you some advice, show you how to do it, and then you'll get a template to go ahead and uh, get cracking with it as well. Speaking of prioritizing your time, right, and spending the limited time you have wisely, you mentioned it earlier, you have a course that's coming out. Um, the course is going to be called How to Get in Front of the C-Suite and Get Results, if I am correct that in that. Is it. Can you tell me a little bit of, can you tell me about a little bit about the course and what would I expect to see if I were to enroll? So the course is on Thinkific. It's a great platform. Uh, it's basically presentation style. Every It's all video-based. Um, I go through how to uh, – a very, very brief, basic outline of you know, establishing credibility and expertise through some personal branding. But you know, it's very minor, just a, a, a dipping your toe in the, the, the waters. But then I move into how to research your client and how to really – connect and engage with uh, senior stakeholders. So the C-suite, the reason it came about was a lot of people, when you're in account management, you have to have relationships with everybody. There's a few things that happen. One, your boss will come up to you and go, hey, so-and-so is in from town. He wants to meet us, the CEO of your customer. And you're like, I don't know who he is. How am I supposed to get a meeting? Just because your CEO is whisked into town and decides he wants to meet a CEO of our customers, they don't care. You're potentially a low-level partner of them. You just supply widgets. So that a lot of people don't have confidence. You know, they don't deal with senior stakeholders at that level. And it doesn't matter whether you're 20 or 50 or, you know, often in account management, you're implementing and executing. You're not often having 
enough of the strategic conversations to feel really comfortable. And then how do you become an expert in your client's industry? So that's really the crux of this whole course is how do you do that? How do you distill that into a irresistible value that is going to get you a meeting with the C-suite to then do whatever you need to get done? Whether that is a decision, whether that's some money for a budget, whether that is just permission, whatever it might be. Uh, so that's why I sort of say get results because it's going to be different for everybody else. So it might be getting them to speak at a conference. It might be getting them to participate in a customer advisory board. Whatever you kind of want from that relationship, this course will show you how to connect, engage, and continue to engage and uh, create a pitch that is going to get them interested and will get you in front of the C-suite. Awesome. Awesome. So for those who'd like to learn more about your course or just um, learn more about the tips that you provide via your website, how, what are some of the best ways for them to get in touch with you? So uh, head on over to accountmanager.tips. They can find me on the social media platform of their choice at Warwick A. Brown or just uh, hit me up on social with the hashtag AMTips. I'm on all the platforms. So yeah, you can find me there as well. All right, Warwick, any final thoughts, tips, words of wisdom, anything you'd like to pass along to the people who are listening to day all i would say is uh take control and responsibility for your career get started today even in the smallest way of being focused about making sure you you get recognized and respected and visible and people are aware of what you're doing and the contribution that you make and however you decide to do that i I support you and i say go for it today make it happen Fantastic. Love it. Work. I'm looking forward to following your journey as you make this transition from corporate employee to entrepreneur. And I wish you the best of luck. Me too. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, everybody. It used to be you could go to work, do a good job, and you'd be recognized for your efforts via a promotion. And to a certain extent, I'd even argue that this still holds true today for people who are just starting out in their careers, especially in that first five to 10 year range. I know for me, as I was progressing through my career in the corporate world, I got promoted about every 18 months in those first few years. And if I'm being honest, I kind of expected that trend to continue. Unfortunately though, at some point reality sets in and that reality usually comes in the form of a non-promotion, whether it's getting rejected for a promotion that you applied for or getting completely passed over for a position that was created for someone else. And that someone else is almost always someone that makes you scratch your head and wonder, WTF? I know this because it happened to me twice. And like when Warwick's boss asked him, where are you in all of this? That's when I started to realize, as Warwick did, I wasn't really doing anything to stand out. Now, don't take that the wrong way. I was doing great work. In fact, in my last role in the corporate world before I was let go, I built an entire organization from the ground up. In two years, we saved millions of dollars and even created a brand new sales model. But unfortunately for me, only a few people knew about those successes and those who did had exposure to those above. And during presentations, they would say stuff like, look at what I did, not look at what we did, or look at what my team did. If you've ever been told that you need more exposure in your role, do yourself a favor and recognize, just like Warwick did, that it's time to take control and responsibility for your career. Don't wait for others to do it, because they won't. They'll be too busy trying to get exposure for themselves. 
Instead, do what Warwick did and grab a copy of my book and start building the future version of yourself today before you need to. Warwick, thank you for your time and for sharing your story with us today, and I wish you the best of luck as you move into the next phase of your career. As for you, loyal listener, thank you as always for tuning in. I appreciate you plugging your ears into this podcast. And until next time, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. Today's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roten. The transition music is called Holiday in Spain by Roman Dinoff. And the intro and outro music, as always, is Pulse by Soundwave. All music licenses for today's show were purchased via Pond5.com.